0: The homily for the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost. The good of religion is inseparable from that of the Fatherland. Words of Pius XI. My dear friends, the words of our Lord from today give us a cue to speak of a topic that is both controversial, I might assume, but at once quite topical, and that is the duty towards our country. I say ours to be better understood, although I clearly mean one's own country today i would like however to speak about patriotism as catholics let us first understand where this obligation comes from and what it entails our obligation towards our country comes essentially from the fourth and the fifth commandment as from two different sources from the fourth commandment it is derived out of the respect we owe to authorities and our elders from the fifth commandment it is derived from our duty to prevent harm to our neighbor, and rather to procure the good of them. Knowing these sources, let us think for a moment of what obligations can be found. But before I go into the obligations towards our nation, I'd like to address an objection that for sure some might raise. They might say to me, Father, this is a Masonic, liberal country. They will say, It's a country that is founded on principles that are condemned by the church. How can I be patriotic? To this I answer that there are two kinds of patriotism. One is secular patriotism, which demands a sort of pagan idolatry of the fatherland. A blind worship of the idea of America without criticism, and most importantly, without God. Secular patriotism makes it a big point to keep God out of country, or if not, to make God a vague notion, deistic at best, but very far from Catholicism and from the Church. In this sermon, however, I do not speak of secular patriotism, I speak rather of the other kind, the Catholic kind, which is quite different. Because Catholic patriotism will criticize and oppose whatever is wrong in the politics, whatever is wrong in the foundational ideas of the country. But then, on the other hand, we will also rescue what is good and attribute that to the mercy of God and strive to bring the country as a political entity closer and closer to God. That is Catholic patriotism. We can think of a figure to express this better. Secular patriotism is, as it were, striving to walk into the Church of the Most High and in there build a side altar with the flag of America, parallel or even higher than the altar of God. It's trying to put country, homeland, at the level of God. But Catholic patriotism, rather, strives to make the American flag and the American nation a distinguished member in the choir that praises and glorifies God. There's one more distinction between these two kinds of patriotism. Secular patriotism sees the homeland as a vague entity, some sort of idea or concept that values or worships. An idea that usually contains, yes, the constitution, the flag, the symbols, the power. Catholic patriotism, on the other hand, sees the homeland in very specific real things. It sees the homeland in our forefathers, our parents, our family, the good deeds of our countrymen. It is not a vague idea that it defends because it knows that all ideas of men will be faulty. Neither is it mere symbols because of themselves. Catholic patriotism defends the good legacy that one enjoys by the favor of God, the family, the morals, the history, and the truth, and because of all these things, the symbols that represent them. So having tried to distinguish both, now that we understand better Catholic patriotism, let's speak broadly of our duties. We said that patriotism is derived from two commandments, from the fourth and the fifth. From the fourth commandment, we can gather two broad obligations. Honor and assistance. In the same way that we ought to honor our parents, in that same way we ought to honor our country. And again, this is not just honoring the idea of our country, but as I said before, the good legacy, the heroic acts, the good teachings that we have received from our forefathers, from the military, from our heroes. From this come many goods to society, because when we honor our country, by that mere fact, we foster morality. Because the honor that we give to our country prompts us to remain in it order, and order demands morality. In the honor that we give to our country, we also honor our family and God himself, because both all of these things family, country, God, they form part of the life of our fathers. So by honoring our past in this way, we come to also love the truth. We come to love, to hate the past mistakes, and we come to have an eager desire to avoid those mistakes in the future. So it helps all these things. We said honor, but we also said assistance. We have the duty to assist our country in the same way that we are obliged to assist and help our parents. Now, this assistance can be given in two ways, one a positive and a negative. The positive assistance we give to our country is to seek for its betterment, its progress. And the negative assistance is to stop the threats that uh, come to our country, that seek to its demise. These threats can be foreign or domestic. Now, in the positive aspect, we are obliged, for example, to pay fair taxes, notice I say fair, to pursue the instauration of good policies, to try to introduce the Catholic faith and morals more and more into the political system, into the educational system, into entertainment, all those things. Those are the positive things we can do for our country, among many others. On the negative aspect, we are obliged to oppose immoral laws. We are obliged to oppose harmful policies, corrupt, evil politicians. We have to seek the removal of unjust laws. We have to do everything in our power to remove erroneous doctrines or principles from our system of government. And of course, we must also defend our country from foreign aggressors in a just war. All of these things I think you could deduce by yourself, but the point to be made here is that we do have an obligation to engage in these things in as much as we can. From the fifth commandment, the obligation that we can find is this. In the same way that we are obliged to procure the welfare of our neighbor and to prevent their harm, that extends to the whole of society to some extent, and so because we are obliged to procure the welfare of our community, to prevent the the harm of the community, that's why we find that in as much as it is in our power, we must participate in civil discourse, especially in our particular case here in America, where it is to be believed one is still able to do something to support some good or to prevent some evil being done. And so because it is possible, we do have the duty in a very particular way to our fellow countrymen and to our family and descendants to participate in in politics in as much as we can. Now, what are some particular applications of this doctrine? The first one, I think, is in all of this, of course, the love and honor of God comes first. Our Lord says, give to Caesar, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's and render to God that which is God. But that doesn't mean that there is an absolute separation. We appreciate and cherish our country because God has placed us here and that in itself is, if you will, a vocation. It's a vocation to bring this country to God and our fellow countrymen to God. You in particular have a vocation to procure that your country comes closer to God. And so that's why God remains in the first place. And God, again, as, as the Catholic faith teaches him, as the most holy trinity, as our Lord Jesus Christ. Another point, another particular application of this doctrine is, when fostering patriotism, we must keep two things in mind. First, as I mentioned, we are critical of the wrong principles that were proposed at the beginnings of the country, but we honor and cherish the good ones. We love our country, in our fellow countrymen, in our fathers and elders, and because of that love, we seek the greater good of our country. Now, what is this greater good? Is it power? Is it wealth? No, first and foremost, the greater good of America is to bring its inhabitants to know and love God, and to be pleasing to God by keeping God's commandments. And that is the first thing that we must strive for. Another application. In the same way that if my parents are in need, I cannot just desert them. In that same way, if my country is in need, I cannot remain idle. In our case, if domestically there are some who seek its demise, it is my duty to use all legal and peaceful means available to stop them and to better the situation. Now among all the things that we can do to defend our country, to seek its, its betterment, the most powerful man the, excuse me, the most powerful one, and I will never tire of saying this, is actually prayer. And that everyone can do. Now the final application of this Because of all that I've mentioned, voting is certainly a civic duty. Now, there are several questions that can arise regarding voting. What if all candidates are bad? What if all of them are unworthy? Even in that case, one may still cast what you could call a defensive vote, meaning you cast a vote not meant to support a bad candidate, but rather meant to prevent the worst one from coming into office. This doctrine is supported by theologians of note, all of them basically, Tankery, Lickmull, Yubal, Merkelbach, and many others. However, as we say these things that it is allowed for you to vote for an unworthy candidate in order to prevent the worst one from coming into power, it is important to make one note. Scandal should be avoided, And encouragement of evil should be avoided. What that means is, if I vote for a lesser of two evils, for the candidate that is not as bad as the other one, I do have to explain, to explain myself, if I'm speaking to other people or if I find myself in the situation of speaking about my vote, I do have to explain that the reason why I vote for that person is not that I support his program is not that I support his his errors is that I want to prevent the other candidate to come into office. In other words, I have to make it very clear that I am not supporting the evil programs or the errors of the unworthy candidate that I'm only voting for him because I want to prevent a greater evil. Having said all these things, my dear friends, Although we have duties to our country, our main duty is to God. It is true that I must fulfill my duties towards my country. Our Lord tells us, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and because of this, I cannot, quoting Pope Pius XI, I cannot flee the world when it comes to fulfilling my civic duties. But our Lord also tells us that we must render to God that which is God's. And more than anything else, What God wants from us is our heart and our soul. And because of this, as we fulfill our civic duties and do our best to help our country, we should take care that in doing so, we don't lose the peace of our soul. That we don't give more time to politics than we give to God. That to Caesar, we ought to give very little a coin, a small percentage of my time. But my soul, my mind, my passions should remain untouched. To God I ought to give those which is the best of me, my desires, my time and my soul. Let us then keep our soul for God and be patriotic, not as a separate thing from God, but rather loving and cherishing our country out of love for God because that is what God wants us to do. And so that in that way, we can procure the greater glory of God in our country. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.